We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. in Wagga Wagga for a special Wagga Comedy Festival edition of Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover and please welcome this week's gang, Rebecca Day Unamuno, Tommy Dean, Dane Simpson. With the music, it's the fabulous Joel William Harrison. But first, as always, here is the news from nowhere. In our street, garbage collection happens on a Friday morning. I build my whole week around it. <laughs> By Monday morning, I've already put last night's prawn shells into the freezer, ready to be pulled out at the last minute. A polystyrene box that arrived over the weekend has been broken into pieces and quietly awaits its fate. Tuesday, and I take three dodgy oranges and put them in the compost, sidestepping Jocasta, who alleges they still look okay to her. (laughs) Maybe she's right, but I've learnt to deal firmly with fruit at the first sign of trouble. (laughs) Wednesday, I throw a small piece of concrete rubble into the very bottom of the outside bin. Building waste is not strictly allowed, but since I'm disposing of my side path in weekly consignments... (laughs) of 500 grams <laughs> spread over three and a half years. <laughs> I don't think anyone will notice. By Thursday morning, the week is really taking shape. All the vegetable scraps have been placed in the worm farm together with the vegetables from the fridge, all of which I have judged to be wilting. Again, I have to sidestep Jocasta, who follows me to the compost shouting, It's a sickness! There's nothing wrong with those zucchinis! You really should get help! (laughs) Then, of course, oh, choir of angels, it's ten o'clock on Thursday night. First, the bag from the kitchen tidy. Bang! It goes into the red bin. Lots of space left. I really am the king of garbage. (laughs) Next, the flutter of excitement. That's right, I forgot the prawn heads. Back to the kitchen, then out to the street with the frozen lump before trundling the two bins into the street, yellow and red, big and small, standing side by side like ill-matched soldiers. What a glorious sight. Is there any rubbish at all left in the home? Not a scary. Some religions have purification rituals. This is mine. I feel so good. A thought intrudes. Some people, amazingly, allow garbage day to slip their mind. Upon hearing the truck clanking down the road in the morning, they leap from bed like startled meerkats. Some haven't thought about garbage for seven whole days. Imagine that. 
They sprint down the front path, barely clad, frantically pulling along their bin, one shoe off, one shoe on, only to see the truck is already four doors down. Some might think that driving a garbage truck is a miserable occupation, but here's the upside. It's a life spent constantly chased by semi-naked householders, (laughs) shouting, please stop, come back, I need you. I can't imagine missing the garbage truck in this way. Think of the sorrow that must stalk such people throughout the week ahead. Oh, they'll think to themselves, I might spend Tuesday morning getting rid of that broken tennis racket as well as that soccer ball torn to shreds by the dog. Then, like a punch to the stomach, they'll remember. That's right, I can't. The bins are still full from last week. (laughs) Never will this be my fate. In fact, my only problem is the bin sometimes feels too empty. Have I not been assiduous enough in the task of rubbish removal? Might I be kicking myself on Saturday when I realise I forgot that broken electric jug or the moth-eaten rug? It's now 10.30 on Thursday night. I am a man with a half-empty bin outside his house. I prowl around Jocasta's home office. Are you sure you need this? I ask her, pointing in turn to the objects on her desk. She makes some sort of flimsy excuse for each. That's my late father's wristwatch. (laughs) Or that was given to me by my mother upon the birth of our first child, leaving me defeated. I'm forced to look out elsewhere. I'm happy for the bin to be half empty, but only once our house is truly rubbish free. What a tragedy, for example, if you took out the bins then remembered a last item only to find some neighbour had made use (laughs) of your spare capacity. (laughs) What an evil person that would be. A binfidel. (laughs) Osama bin Loder. Better, I think, to stand guard. I casually lean against a lamppost near the bins. Jocasta stands at the front door, pulling her coat tight against the cold. It's 11 o'clock, she says. I think you should come inside. Soon, I say. By midnight, the danger will have passed. (laughs) She looks down at me, her face softening. What if I found you some more rubbish? (laughs) Then you could fill up your bin and we could all go to bed. (laughs) Jocasta potters around the house and emerges with a handful of polystyrene packaging, a cracked vase and some rusty bulldog clips. I add them to the bin. Dropped in loosely, they do a good job of kind of filling the thing up. I go to bed happy. Lying there, I allow myself a small smile of satisfaction. At long last, Jocasta may be starting to share... My passion for garbage. (laughs) And that's the news from nowhere. (laughs) A surprising number of people, especially men, related to that. (laughs) Good tell. Let's check you are up with this week's news. Who no longer wants to play Mr Mice Guy? Who no longer wants to play Mr Mice Guy? Is this... 
I, I did a story on the the weekly with Charlie Pickering about this. Uh, the, there's a mice plague happening yeah. in New South Wales. I am. Oh yeah, he mice plague. That's, yeah, that, was, <laughs> that was weird. All hail Jesus. <laughs> I, that's that's a great pun, Dad. Uh, yeah, uh, there's a massive mice plague happening at the moment. Uh, there's a, a lot of rainfall, I believe, and then that's creating a lot of food, uh, which is heaven for the mice. Uh, mice can lay can lay eggs. They can. Yeah. They can have. A, uh, they cross people with chickens. They have long crossbreeds <laughs> with chickens, and that's where chicken nuggets come from. <laughs> They can, they can get pregnant up to, like, ten times a year and they can have eight babies mm. in that pregnancy. So it's, oh it's phenomenal. Like, yeah, that, it's crazy. A lot of people don't know this, but mice are the Mormons of the rodent. It's a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tommy can say that joke because he was a Mormon, all right? And seriously, they have a lot of babies. <laughs> they have a lot of babies. But that, that footage that you see, that we see on the news, is just... It's like, forget any horror movie. Forget Friday the 13th. Forget... That is my worst-case scenario. I I mean, I live in the inner city of Sydney and I had, uh, like, a demolition and then construction just 50 metres from my house and I had rats. Now, these rats, seriously... I love the way she's got sympathy from you. (laughs) For one city rat. (laughs) That's why I love a live audience. Um... Yeah, but we had rat and, and I've got a skylight and they were getting in the roof and the footprints on the skylight. I was convinced there was a wildcat loose in the streets of Sydney because these footprints were enormous and the rats were like, they were bigger than me. I'm barely five foot. And these things, and I, and I saw, I walked out to collect the mail when I, it was uh, dusk, set the scene, dusk one day, and I walked out to get look at the mail and I turned to my right, and I saw a line of five rats running one after the other towards Parramatta Road, and I thought, well, are they going to get on the bus? Like, they were... <laughs> it was extraordinary. One was carrying a lounge setting, the other had the fridge. It was extraordinary because they'd been kicked out of their home. So, and, I, and I'd be watching TV and I'd just see this massive thing go past, and I was like, that's, that's clearly my poor eyesight. And I was like, no. So I cannot imagine living with the perpetual scurrying of all of those mice. It, it, that's the only sound I can make regarding it. I mean, Jane, your idea on the, on the Charlie Pickering show was to get the Pied Piper back in action. Yeah. yeah, like, or Cruella would probably do a good job. <laughs> it seems disappointing that we have spent years in Australia training children to use the recorder. <laughs> <laughs> Shorty, this is the time that they shine. But as Dane says, what if what if, what if the Pied Pipers what if the Pied Pipers start breeding, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. But it, it's it's costing the industry like billion dollars. Oh. Like it, it's crazy money. That's and it's such a shame because it's going to be a record wheat crop, a uh, record winter crop this uh, this year. And yet, the in New South Wales anyway, the the mice are going to get their share of it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, none of them can teach. Turtles, how to do ninja? Like it's, it's weird. <laughs> do we need the cheese manufacturers to come up with a plan? Maybe is that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yes. That One was... person agrees with me. That's why I love Wagga. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking. Isn't 
that everyone always says, you know, put cheese in a trap, but that, that's a misnomer, isn't it? It's peanut butter, apparently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what gets it. So maybe we need the peanut butter manufacturers. No, no. Just I'll, cannons. No, no. Of before you get butter. all plotty, I'll tell you that we've been invaded. We have a little minor mice plague in my home, and we've been getting the traps with the peanut butter, and the first trap caught a mouse, like within an hour. So I think we're geniuses. The peanut butter trap trick works. Right. Okay, well, but it turns it... out he was the stupid one. <laughs> Maybe all because the other mice. Because we reset all the traps. The next thing you know, apparently, we have opened a peanut butter buffet. <laughs> Called Dine with a Bit of Danger. Maybe that one, maybe that one mouse was the only one that had an anaphylactic reaction. <laughs> <laughs> he got trapped. Here's my theory. They've actually reverse engineered the traps and are using them as catapults against us. <laughs> Launching themselves off the back of the trap into the higher shelves of our pantry. I blame science, Richard. <laughs> we all we, blame science, Tommy. We spent too long training rats to do stuff. <laughs> Laboratory mice have escaped, and they figured it all out. Yeah. yeah. Well, they all know where to hang out because they've all been growing ears on their backs. I need an audience vote here because 20 years ago when I... Um, I came to stay with my friends in the Riverina and my friend Meredith told me that when there was the big mouse plague when she was a teenager, she was one of those kids from this area who goes to boarding school in Melbourne, right? And there was a terrible mouse plague and uh, they were filling the 44-gallon drums, you know, full of mice overnight. And so she told me that when she was 14 and 15, she... And I don't know what the vote is about. I don't know whether she was just teasing me as a city slicker or this is true. I still don't know. But she swore to God it was true that she would get the 44-gallon drum full of dead mice and she would skin them and tan them (laughs) and then stitch the little skins into Barbie milk mink coats and sell them successfully for $20 each to the posh private school girls with whom she boarded in Melbourne. (laughs) True or false? True? I think true. Come on. <laughs> well, I can think of this. It puts the lotion on its skin. It's like it's not good. <laughs> All right, next question from this week's news. Who has wised up to the wise guys? Oh, the, we've got uh, the Australian police. They've got a successful crime bust. Now, some have said my bust's a crime against humanity. But anyway. Um, <laughs> they've got, I'd get that app. <laughs> Trust me, it's called Tinder. Um, <laughs> if you're lucky. Uh, but yes, uh, the, the police have been really smart using technology to create this app, which is um, it's sort of, uh, it's like a gap that was in the market, I guess you could say. It's like, you know, who haven't we got involved in the apps, as it were? And they went, oh, we know, criminals. But not just any criminal, not petty criminals. This is, we're talking large Organised crime that they've managed to create this app. What was it? What was it called? A nom. Even that's like with a big O. Like even that's weird. Um, you should know that that's weird. And uh, and they've managed to uh, infiltrate all of these um these groups because every, everyone's just private chatting in them. You know, and I'm surprised. Sending each other bragging pictures. Bragging pictures of what they've done. I mean, like, and I've used a lot of dating apps, and I'm just surprised that they were actually who they said they were because. (laughs) 
I've been catfished so many times on these apps. I'm like, surely it was just a 12-year-old boy in his bedroom going, yeah, I'm a, I'm a master criminal. Uh, so they've, they've had this major bust. Hello. Um, and uh, and, they've, and it, it's pretty extraordinary. They've seized, like, what? how many hundreds of... More than 200 big Australian criminals have been That's arrested. it, 200. It does seem like they just got on the zeitgeist, you know, like, I don't... It, it, and I think I think it, I don't want to be too righteous about you know how stupid the criminals were in this case <laughs> uh, to suggest that there's no way that normal people would get involved with a free app and then hand over all of their information. <laughs> <laughs> we would never do that. Yeah. <laughs> criminals, though, they're stupid. <laughs> Not like us. By the way, anybody know what I had for lunch? Here's a picture of my sandwich. <laughs> There's going to be a new TV show, yeah. Criminals Do the Craziest Things. <laughs> but it's, it seems weird to me. It almost feels doubly bad because <laughs> apparently uh, they got the app into the hands of, of one of the Mr. Bigs and used him to spread the app to his friends. Like, so he's like ground zero. And they, they called them um, criminal influencers. Which is so funny. <laughs> That's it's the AFP said that they managed to get them to three or four criminal influencers yeah. and they managed to distribute it to everybody else in the criminal milieu. It's interesting that that term Mr Big, it really has changed for me ever since Sex and the City. I just can't. Like Mr Big is something endearing and lovely. It's that, that's an old school term. I haven't heard that in a long time. Well, he's quite big. He is. So, I've seen the photos. He's quite big. I feel like one of the guys is just pulling a bong and just, <laughs> I've got a thousand followers. Like, <laughs> now you, you're just paranoid, bruh. That's <laughs> what, <laughs> who, uh, who nicked a name when it came to their new child? Who nicked a name? Ooh, ooh, we've got some judgment already. I love it. I love it. Look, if you don't like bad puns, I really would leave now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is uh, obviously uh, Harry and Meghan have have had a second child. It's the eighth in line. Um, Sadly, knocking off Prince Andrew by one place. Oh. Oh. What a shame, because we always had the hopes for him, didn't we? We had high hopes for Prince Andrew. (laughs) Um, And uh, and they've called the child Lilibet, which um, apparently is Queen Elizabeth, when she was younger, couldn't pronounce her own name, Elizabeth, so she would say Lilibet. Um, So I'm kind of not sure if if this is their last sort of jab at the royal family (laughs) on their departure. You know, this is like, and one other thing, you used to be a bit stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Your grasp of the your own language, Queen, was not so great. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. It is it's a bit weird, isn't it? It's based on the her inability to pronounce her own name when I trust. So it's a bit like you know someone called Roger because Roger. So you, ch- that's you, right. you call your child Roger. That's <laughs> right. Or if or if I if like well, the entire uh, Fudd family does that. <laughs> you wascally wabbit. <laughs> Or if you got like if you called your child the nickname of one of the nemeses at school, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just like that would just be weird. I reckon they should call it Ginger Nutmeg. Combo <laughs> 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 of that. <laughs> but yeah, has the Queen had a reaction? Has she like is she happy? Sad? Uh, look, I angry? think she might be happy at this stage. 
right. she won't be happy when 5,000 airhead Californians also decide to call their child little bit. Oh, yeah. my goodness. But Americans will call their children after anything. Yeah. Footpath. Apple. Sidewalk. <laughs> Apple. Apple's Apple. 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 Like, there's, there's some odd names, aren't there? Destiny. Hello. Um, Vision. I don't know. I'm just guessing. <laughs> Could be a good one. Vision. Afterthought. <laughs> Hindsight. Oops. Oops. <laughs> Thank God it's Friday with Richard Glover. Live from the Wagga Comedy Festival, we are here at the Playhouse in Wagga Wagga. Now, the musical Come... Uh, Come From Away opened in Sydney this week, telling the story of a real-life event when, after September 11, planes from around the world were diverted to a small Canadian town. It made me wonder this. What event in your life, real event, could be turned into a musical and what would be some of the songs? Rebecca. Oh. Um, I've already uh, written a show about my dating life which featured heavily the music that reflected my success or, or should I say, lack thereof uh, in uh, dating, such as Kate Sobrano's Young Boys Are My Weakness, um, uh, You're the One For Me, Fatty. You know, there was a whole range of songs. So I thought, no, I've done that. Uh, but I'd like there to be... I'd like to have a musical about my life as a female comedian... Uh, because it's interesting, um, you may not know this, but we're a, we're a special kind of breed. Uh, we are. We're, we're unique gems in a sea of some shit. And um, <laughs> I love these two. I love these two. You are the exception to the rule. You know I think that. So I've just got a few songs that I thought uh, I might have in here, if you bear with me. Don't worry, it's nothing about you. I love you guys. Um, songs like I Don't Normally Find Women Funny. Uh, which would surprisingly be sung by a female audience member uh, to you at the end of a show. That's a good one. Uh, another one is uh, You Don't Need to Introduce Me as Female. It's Patently Clear on Stage. Uh, that's another hit song. That's a duet. Um, <laughs> I Have a Potty Mouth and I'm Not Afraid to Use It uh, is another one. Uh, another song is I'll Talk About My Period If You Keep Talking About Your Dick. Um, <laughs> That's the uh, first that's, half showstopper. That's a popular song. That's released as a single because everyone can relate to that, let me tell you. Uh, another one is um, uh, guys really do talk to me during the eight-hour trip in the van. That's a really sad song, that one. It's, a, it's meant to be a duet, but the guy doesn't join in. Um, <laughs> another one is... Uh, <laughs> Another one is, and this is the hit song from, from my musical, it's called 5 to 25, and it's a parody of Dolly Parton's 9 to 5, uh, and, it, and, it, and it's, got, it, it's kind of got some, some pretty crazy lyrics, um, you know, uh, stumble off the bus and I wandered to the gig and buy myself a jug of good liquor, I'm yawning, stretching, trying to come alive. Head up to the back and I'm watching the show. A 20-something bloke being edgy and go. A stewing a spot. That's 5 to 25. <laughs> doing 5 to 25. What a way to make a living. And the audience had their arms folded. They're not taken and you're giving. <laughs> oh, great. Thank you for the accompaniment. You're beautiful. 
Uh, Dane Simpson, if there was going to be a musical of your life, what would be some of the songs? Uh, um, so once I, uh, I went to a music festival in Canberra, and <laughs> um, back then I used to be a DJ, and this, uh, this guy said that he, he wanted me to work at the festival, but he, he couldn't get me... Uh, he said he could get me tickets because it was my birthday on that day. So I rocked up. It's in Canberra. Uh, I took a couple of my mates over. They bought tickets. When we turned up there, uh, this guy had forgot to put me on the door. Uh, and so, and it's my birthday and it was sold out and I rang him and it was just Jordan, his name was, and he just said, oh, I'm so sorry. And plus the venue won't let me. We've given away too many comps. I can't, I can't let you in. Uh, and I was like, I, it's my birthday. We've had a few beers. Uh, my mates are already inside. What am I, what am I going to do? And he, he came out the front and said, look, I, I can't possibly give you a ticket, but the backup dancer for the Potbellies didn't show up. <laughs> and I need you to go to the VIP tent and tell them you're the backup dancer for the Potbellies. <laughs> and... I think it was four beers deep, told me, this is a great idea. <laughs> uh, I went to the tent and the, the girl, she was on a laptop and she was typing away and I said, hi, hi, I'm the backup dancer for the Pop Bellies. She didn't even look up, she just got the lanyard ready, held it out and then pulled back when she <laughs> seen me. And I just took it and I did a spin. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm a backup dancer. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, I got the, the manager, Jordan, was just losing his mind laughing. Uh, he said it was the funniest thing he's ever seen. I've got to introduce you to the pot bellies. <laughs> and I ended up meeting iKid, told him the story. He laughed so much and said, You now have to dance for me. <laughs> Uh, so I didn't hold back in the Potbelly's fashion and he was singing Don't Hold Back at the time. And I, I, I swear he gave me the nod. I'm side of stage. <laughs> I swear he looked at me and gave me the nod like, yeah, now's the time. And I walked out and did my famous spin, as I'm known for, as a backup dancer, and he laughed so much and told me to get off the stage. <laughs> Brilliant. If that's not a showstopper, I don't know a showstopper. I so want to see you spin. I really do. <laughs> Get it up. Get it up. Dane Simpson, spin class. And, and, th- and this is great for radio, by the way. <laughs> he is limbering up, ladies and gentlemen. He's limbering up. Uh, Joel's got some music for him, some spin music. Come on, Joel. Here we go. Falling at home, it was a corkscrew to the left, followed by a reverse pipe to the right. Five, six, seven, eight. I don't know if you've ever seen a Beyonce gig. It was a lot like that. A lot like it. Oh, that's the best. If you're listening to this and you'd like us to come to your town, reconsider. (laughs) Hey, Tommy, if there was a musical about your life, what would be some of the hit songs? It's hard to narrow it down because so many things have happened to me. 
Well, like, like when I think about it, it's, it's, you know, like if you look at your life through the lens of a musical, like if you just look at it normally and try to remember the nostalgia of your childhood, um, like for example, uh, I come from quite a large family, and, and I very much remember a time uh, when my father um, was trying to get us out of occupied Nazi Germany. <laughs> and he had uh, secured the services of a new maid. And, and she would sing a lot of songs. <laughs> like all the time, singing songs, like all the time. Like my family, like I was quite young. I was the youngest, so I, was, I had just turned eight. And I remember my favorite song that they used to sing. Eight is nice, eight is nice. That was a good one. And then I went to high school. You know, I went to high school in America. And um, I, think was, I think it was my junior year. might have been my senior year. Uh, blurs, because um, I'm older now. Uh, but I had, I had fallen in love uh, with an overseas student from Australia. And it was, like a, it was like a summer romance that just got out of hand. And I remember... Like, they could probably sing a song about that. You know, it would just be like all of our friends, all of our friends, you know, just wanting to find out how the summer went. Tell me more. Well, well, well. Give us more details. Give us more details. <laughs> Copyright. And then, uh, then I, you know, I was a theater major in college, and you know, chasing the dream of theater, I found myself in New York City, where I had fallen in love with a Puerto Rican girl. <laughs> and then I had gotten accidentally, you know, conscripted into a like a street gang. <laughs> I don't remember a lot about that. There was a lot of snapping. That was crazy. And I remember one time, uh, my girlfriend and I were on a road trip, and our car broke down. Uh, it, was quite a, it, was quite a, it was quite a rainy night. And then, and then we ended up like in this weird castle with like this transvestite... I, I can't remember his name. I think his name was Hot Dog. He sang a lot of songs. Oh, and then just to bring this full circle, um, uh, my family was, uh, were in a plane that were diverted uh, to Canada <laughs> during, during, during the 9-11 tragedy. Thanks for bringing it back to that. <laughs> Thank God it's Friday with Richard Glover. We have Rebecca Day, we have Tommy Dean, we have Dane Simpson, and we have the wonderful people of Wagga Wagga in the Playhouse. Playhouse. What a nice place this is to be. Um, now, are we ready for the wheel of death? Um, today's uh, lovely audience has given me these topics. Um, uh, thank you to everyone. Water, uh, multifocals, thank you. Uh, doggy daycare, thank you. Uh, deafness, canola. Wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I talked to the couple. She says he's deaf because she has to repeat everything ten times. Uh, but he says she mumbles. Canola <laughs> <laughs> uh, crop mite. Thank you. What? Canola crop mite. If you need any technical uh, uh, details before you do it, uh, we, they can be provided. A trucky, trucker tie-down straps. Protea farmer. Nice. 
He's, he's quite handsome, Rebecca. <laughs> I do declare. <laughs> the road to Gundagai, Murray Cod, Bras, Firewood and Soup. Which one's full? You're full of fear. Oh, Bras do because they have to work way too hard. Um, oh, but, yeah, there's a, lot, there's, a, there's a lot there that's a bit scary. Oh, I get to choose. I'm choosing my own fate. Normally the wheel does this for right. me. This I'm responsible. I'm this responsible. The hat of death. Murray Cod. <laughs> okay. Just so you know, that's just that's the guy's name. He didn't know what he was doing. That's, he didn't realize they were doing Hat of Death. He, what? They want my name? Uh. <laughs> that's where. That's exactly where I was going with right. this. So thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Tommy. Uh, good day. My name's Murray. <laughs> My name's uh, Murray Trevally, and I'm part of the law firm Trevally, Prawn and Cod. <laughs> the irony is that all three partners were all called Murray. Murray Trevally, Murray Prawn, Murray Cod. Now, I've got to tell you a story about Murray Cod. He's one of the three partners that's no longer with us. He did what we like to say in legal terms, a runner. Seems as though Murray never quite got his legal degree. Was one of those shysters. You know what I'm talking about. A bloke who just turned up to lectures at university with a lecture pad and nodded in affirmation to everything the lecturer said and assumed that he was doing well. (laughs) Needless to say, he had no idea what he was doing. He was part of an organised crime gang. (laughs) He was the Mr Big of this gang. (laughs) And it wasn't until he decided to show everybody this new app he'd found on his phone (laughs) that he got himself into what we call in legal terms a bit of a pickle. (laughs) Now, Murray Prawn and I, Murray Trevally, in case you'd forgotten, we didn't know where Murray God had ended up until it was plastered all over the local newspaper on Monday morning. Did I mention that I too uh, like to fish? (laughs) It's just an offshoot, nothing important to the story, but I thought quite pertinent to our surnames. Anyway, (laughs) by the way, I don't eat (laughs) Trevally. I tend to find it a little too flavourful. I prefer a more bland fish, like fish fingers. (laughs) But don't worry, like most things, it's nothing that sweet chilli sauce can't fix. Where was I? I've gone off on a tangent. I tend to do that. That's how I've won most of my cases. (laughs) I just tend to go off on several tangents, bamboozle the jury and the judge, and they usually bang their gavel, crack the desk, and it's all over, Red Rover. (laughs) Anyway, Murray Cod, that's right. He absconded with only funds that we had in the office. It was a little tin with 25 bucks. We'd been putting in 20 cents every year since the partnership began so that one day we could save up and have a whiz-bang dumpling lunch. (laughs) Can't believe we have to start from scratch. (laughs) And needless to say, dumplings have gone up in price in 25 years, so I think we'll be donating 20 cents till I can retire. Oh, maybe that's what I'll have from a retirement dinner. A lazy Susan full of all the dumplings I could have had if Murray hadn't... 
you know, almost swore. <laughs> Can't do that, I can I, in this situation. Anyway, I'm sorry, I have gone on again. The thing is, I think my wife's telling me to stop, but I can't hear her because she mumbles. Does she die? No! She lives! I'm Thank God It's Friday. Thank God It's Friday with Richard Glover. How do you do that? Oh, I don't... How does she do that? I don't know, it's just open my mouth. It's like channeling. It's weird. I just don't know who's going to come. I never knew that Murray Cod was inside. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad he came out. I feel lighter. Uh, now, COVID... I think the bad one, just, just for I like to, I like to, I like to temper my humour with a little bit of education, uh, is the Murray Cod a good fish or a bad fish? Good the good oh. fish. Oh, well, I'm sorry for casting aspersions that he was bad in the story. He came back and he bought us all a Chinese restaurant. There you go. <laughs> we have Rebecca Dean, you know, Tommy Dean and Dane Simpson here. Now, COVID has teamed up with Sydney's ridiculous property prices to create this new wave of sea changes in turn creating ridiculous property prices in towns big and small, including Wagga Wagga. What are the pros and cons of living in the big smoke versus living in the country? Dane. I I love it here. I love being in Wagga Wagga. It's cheap for me to live. (laughs) Um, And the one important thing, I park out the front of the shop I want to go to. Oh, Can't, can't compete with that. Every park is a rock star park, right? Every, every park is a rock star park, absolutely. I, I'd, lo- I'd absolutely love it here. Um, yeah, and, and if I, I save so much money in my mortgage, I can fly to a capital city whenever I need to. Like, it's easy to get there. Uh, yeah, it's just so, so much fun. And also, you, you grew up here? Yeah, yeah, grew up here. I've been here since I was about six years old. Um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And, you Enjoy know, the parking when you were six? Yeah. <laughs> Get you pulled up on your bike. <laughs> Can I ask, though, sometimes uh, it's been my experience in uh, travelling various regional centres around Australia uh, that the parking, while seemingly uh, fulsome and open, uh, still has its own local idiosyncrasies. Uh, has Wagga Wagga uh, legislated nose-in or Ooh. tail-in? The, or, or do you still have freedoms? The, there's, there's a fair bit of freedom. <laughs> There is painted parking spots. Uh, not a lot of people use them, but there is. <laughs> there is you are meant to park between the painted lines, and I, th- I think that just fits more cars in the main street. Right. But, uh, yeah, I'm, like, I'm sure when the Wiggles came here, plenty of room for the big red car. Uh, but I was careful because I was in, I can't remember the name of the town, but I was in a small town once, and I noticed in their local newspaper that they were having a vote, whether they were going to vote. And in a town that had like a population of less than a thousand, they were going to finally agree if it was going to be tail in or nose in. Right. And I made a little joke during the comedy show, and then I got run out of town. <laughs> because apparently it was the most serious political issue to face the people in a hundred years. And there were very feisty opinions on both sides. You can park nose in or tail in here. You're still going to find your car burnt out over at the Ashmont. (laughs) (laughs) 
See, that's another difference. In the city, you don't always find your burnt out car. <laughs> but to know there's a collection space for it, to make the insurance claim easier, <laughs> so much nicer. City or country, Tommy, what do you reckon? Look, I, uh, I grew up in the country. Uh, I like them both. I think uh, there's, a, there's a joy to the small town. I grew up in small town. Uh, it was fun to, uh, my, my uh, uncle was a minister, uh, so I grew up as a child uh, attending the local Baptist church and uh, learning about the joy of God's plan and how stupid most of the women are in the church. Um, <laughs> it's interesting how they both go so ways. Uh, you just, you make one casserole uh, wrong for a Wednesday night and boom, they hate you for months. Uh, so there's a lot of pressure in the small town where everybody knows each other. Like even tonight, as we entertain this, I can feel that there are some laughs that have been smothered by sitting next to people that are judgmental. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas in the city, they don't know anybody. So there's a certain anonymousness to the city uh, that I quite like. Uh, like here, I imagine, you're very vigilant about picking up your dog's feces. Um, whereas in uh, this park near my house, I think joggers are a fine solver. <laughs> Let them do the work, I say. I don't know them. I don't know them. But here I would say, oh my gosh, that's, that's Maeve. I better not. Why would the joggers wear shoes which have got those sort of waffle soles if they weren't trying to pick up? I know, it's, it's perfect design. It's perfect design. But I think, I think, the, joy, I think the joy of community is much happier in a small town. Uh, I think uh, the city suffers from a little bit of uh, me focus. There's a lot of selfishness. Uh, in the city. Oh, much like the people who leave the and, and, I, and you can hold on. And trends. Cities, cities get stuck in trends. Like today, as an example, uh, here in the joy of Wagga Wagga, uh, for lunch, uh, I had uh, a sandwich on focaccia, uh, which Sydney quit making in 1997. <laughs> but I am so happy you have held on to the old ways. You haven't succumbed to the scourge of panini. <laughs> um, it's delightful. I, I agree with the amenity. I took my, my part, we were just, we just started dating, uh, and, you know, because I'm fancy, we went to KFC. Mm. And <laughs> going through the drive-thru. Parked between the lines. And I, <laughs> oh, no, you drove through. We drove, we'll drive through. This is a hot date. I'm ordering. And the bloke literally said, is that you, Dane? Yeah, Steve, it's me. <laughs> She's still with me. She agreed to marry me. She's yeah. my fiancé now. Aww. So that's a great story. I can't wait to see the wedding catering. <laughs> Zingers for everybody. And a focaccia cake. <laughs> Somebody did get married at the KFC here in Wagga Wagga. So that's that is great. Not... Yeah, absolutely. And they're here right now! <laughs> City or country, Rebecca? Oh, look, when I was younger, I would have said city all the way. I mean, because I, I grew up out in the western suburbs of Sydney and back then we were considered the western suburbs. I mean, somehow now it's called the Hills District. Whereas it used to just be Winnow. Yeah, I just lived at Winnow, mate. Now it's the Hills District. So things have changed uh, dramatically. Uh, but I've lived in the inner city now for forever, for a very, very long, since I went to university. Um, but I'm starting to get that feeling that I want things that I think a lot of people that live in the country take for granted, like space. 
I went out to watch the blood moon the other night. I thought I set up a little table and a chair, had a cup of tea, and I thought, what an extraordinary thing to watch. And my soundtrack came from the hostel behind. (laughs) And my favourite track, just as the most poignant moment of the blood moon passed by, was, I can't stand that Janine, she doesn't even smoke. Um... (laughs) And I thought, this is how I want to remember this moment. (laughs) This beautiful moment, these dulcet tones passing by. So I kind of long to not have the conversations that my neighbours have infiltrate the television program I'm watching. For years, I thought Janine was a character on Home and Away. I (laughs) kept waiting. I was, when's she going to start smoking? I'm very confused. I'm very confused. And, And actually knowing people. Like, I've lived in the same house for 20 years now and I've had to introduce myself to all of my neighbours, and they look at me as though I've asked them, could they donate me a kidney? <laughs> it's extraordinary, the shock on their faces, like, you want... And I even had to say to the new neighbour that moved in, I said, oh, hi, I'm Beck. you can call me Beck. Um, you know, it's welcome to the neighbourhood, and she just nodded, and I said, and you are? And she said, taking my dog for a walk. <laughs> I still don't know her name, I've got no idea who she is. And, uh, and, and, but the, the upside of, I think, living in the city is I don't drive. So the, the Rockstar car park is lost on me here in Wagga Day, and I'm sorry. But so I, I just thought I would never get around if I lived in, in the country. And I'd just end up being that, that lonely lady on the top of the hill that creates voices and talks to herself. <laughs> Meeting the neighbours isn't such... Like, I helped my dad move into his new place... Uh, and he is just such a lively man, and he walked straight over to his neighbour and he just said, hey, I'm Bo, what's your name? And she said, I'm Olivia. And he said, yeah, I'm Olivia too. What's your name? (laughs) Your dad would get on with my (laughs) neighbour. Can I just ask the audience, just out of, like, a bit of a survey, round of applause if you've lived in Wagga your entire life? Round of applause if you chose to come here and left somewhere hectic. There you go. Just curious. Wait, just to be fair, round of applause if you're trapped here by someone. (laughs) I think there's more people trapped. (laughs) We are live from the Wagga Comedy Festival with Rebecca Neumann, Tommy Dean and Dane Simpson. We also have local singer-songwriter star, Joel William Harrison! Who are the winners and losers of this week, Rebecca? Oh, look, I have to say that we, all of us here, Richard, Joel, Tommy, Dane and myself are the winners because we have a live audience here in Wagga. It's been so long... I've missed your reactions. Am I Assuming lo- you stay a live audience <laughs> and not contact traceable. True, very true. I'm glad. Thank you for putting that footnote in. Murray Codd would be proud. Um, <laughs> and my losers for the week, well, it goes without saying, doesn't it? It really is the Queensland Rugby League team. Boy, did, boy, did they lose in a massive way, huh? I didn't watch the game, but good on them. <laughs> Guy the Blues. <laughs> Dane, who were the winners and losers of this week? Uh, winners, people of Wagga Wagga. We've got the Wagga Comedy Festival on, and it's absolutely incredible. Legend. 
Uh, losers, I was going to say Queensland. I am a Queenslander. Oh. I was born in Bundaberg, of all places. Um, but I think the losers are people who are missing out on the tickets to, to amazing shows that some people should be going out and, and checking out. We get to finally get to experience this live entertainment again. Like Netflix and all that type of stuff has got same old, same old, and it's just sitting there, whereas anything could happen, which Tommy Dean clearly <laughs> shows. <Sure. laughs> who are the winners and losers, Tommy look, Dean? I don't, want to, I don't want to keep pushing this uh, local theme of how awesome Wagga is, but as I look at these beautiful people, I have never, literally never been in an audience uh, where I see one, two, three mall Santas. <laughs> Just raring to go. <laughs> that, that's planning, right? And so, I mean, I don't know how lucky the children of Wagga have been up until now. To know that Father Christmas is it's at every 24 turn. 24-hour Santa. <laughs> oh, it is so good. And I, I can't be sure, but I think there might be a tooth fairy over there as well. Uh, another big winner is, uh, I want to put this out there, uh, my son, uh, who is, today is his 19th birthday. Uh, my son turns 19. And he has moved back to America. Ah. Uh, so I find that odd that uh, he is punishing me the way I punish my parents. <laughs> and I'm that- leaving to go to the other side of the world. <laughs> and at the same time, I still have to spend heaps of money for him. <laughs> And on that note of glorious karma, please thank Rebecca Day Unamuno, Tommy Dean and Dane Center. Thank you for being part of Thank God. It's Friday Live from the Wagga Comedy Festival. We've enjoyed being so much in the beautiful Wagga Playhouse. June 25, we'll be back with Gene Kitson, Colin Buchanan and Tommy Dean. Until then, I'm Richard Glover. And thank God it's a Wagga Wagga Friday!